Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. More California homeowners could get mortgage relief as the state expands access to a program designed to help those who have struggled to make payments during the pandemic. KQED's Oddity Bunlamudi reports. Since the California Mortgage Relief Program launched in December, it's distributed aid to almost 2,000 households. The state expects to help about 20,000 households total. Now that the program's time frame has expanded and people with higher incomes can apply, Tiana Johnson Hall of the California Housing Finance Agency says the money is available on a first-come, first-serve basis. If you are behind on your payments, Go to the website and apply. We are here to help you. Homeowners who missed at least two mortgage payments before June 30th of this year are now eligible for help and could receive up to $80,000. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. And Southern California's sizzling real estate market may finally be getting a little cooler. As mortgage rates and inflation rise, some sellers now find themselves slashing asking prices to make a sale. KCRW's Matt Gillum has more. After sitting on the market for nearly a month, the owner of a four-bedroom house in Van Nuys cut the price by 50 grand. Another nearby home recalibrated down from a cool million to 860000 That's a price cut of $140,000. If hearing price cut in the context of SoCal's real estate market made you do a double take, you're not alone. Real estate experts say the market has changed dramatically recently and that it's not even where it was a month ago. The frenzied competition of cash bidding wars has chilled a bit. A rapid rise in mortgage interest rates in the past few months has made housing more expensive. At the beginning of the year, rates were around 3%. Now they're in the 5 to 6 range. Data from real estate brokerage firm Redfin shows that between early May and early June, a little more than 16% of listings in L.A. County saw at least one price cut. That's double the number from the same time last year. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum. Despite the cooling market in parts of Southern California, rent and property prices still remain out of reach for some Californians, among them child care providers in San Diego. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser explains. A dozen young children sit in a circle on the sun-speckled lawn of Liberty Wind's home childcare in Carlsbad. We are Oasis, mighty, mighty Oasis. After singing their school song, she dismisses them one by one to leave the circle, visit the potty, and then pick out their snacks. Okay, how about Zayden? Z-A-D-E-N! All right. The idyllic scene belies the more than two years of turmoil Wynn has faced in the age of COVID. 
she was forced to close when the pandemic first hit in March of 2020. She wasn't able to reopen for two months. And then within two weeks, we got the eviction. Her landlord said he was moving back into the home Wynn was renting. She frantically searched for a new place where she could both live and have her childcare business. She ultimately found the building in Carlsbad. But it wasn't suitable for a daycare. So Wynn had to take out a federal emergency disaster relief loan and spent $20,000 on the property. I had to put a lot of the, the loan money into this place because it's on a lake. It's lovely, it's gorgeous, but it was a, a huge risk. Her lease will be up this summer and Wynn just received more bad news. Her landlord has plans to turn the property instead into a luxury Airbnb. So Wynn is out of business again, this time permanently. So our last day is August 26th. Oasis of San Diego will be ending. This historically tight housing market has created a crisis on top of a crisis for childcare providers. First, the pandemic walloped the already fragile industry. State data show that one in eight childcare businesses temporarily closed during the past two years. And now many are struggling to reopen due to staggering rental costs. It puts them, it puts the providers in a terribly vulnerable position. Laura Cohn is a long-term early education expert. The child care provider is totally dependent on that rental situation for their livelihood and that moving the business would be incredibly disruptive to a lot of parents and families as well as to the provider's business. Without government funding to help providers, child care availability will continue to decline says Kim McDougall, who runs childcare for the San Diego County YMCA. The funding mechanism for childcare is is truly broken and the way we have built our, our economic model is truly broken. And that's something that we really need to address going forward if we're going to solve the childcare crisis because parents can't pay more, providers can't charge less, and it's never gonna match up without public subsidy to close the gap. Can, 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 can I be the captain? Yeah. What are you guys playing? A subsidy certainly would have helped win in Carlsbad. She will have to pack up or sell everything, from the art supplies and tiny tables and chairs to the aquariums holding snakes and turtles. And all of the money she put into the property will be lost. I am. I'm so grateful to have found my calling and um, have a business that was flourishing, and, and I seem to, to be in my element. So that's, that's just the best, something I could do until I'm 80. Um, but there's no, I mean, you know, if I really think about it, there's just, I'm just quite vulnerable and that's what I'm noticing. The kids at her school and their parents will have to find new care when wind moves. For the California Report, I'm Claire Tregesser in San Diego. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. 
If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Democrats in Sacramento are moving quickly to give voters a chance to make abortion a constitutional right in the state as they await a ruling from the Supreme Court that could overturn Roe v. Wade. The proposed amendment to the California Constitution would ban the state from denying or interfering with abortions and also ensure the right to use or refuse contraceptives. It cleared two legislative committees on Tuesday. Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins is one of the lead sponsors of the proposal. When the ability to access safe legal abortions is stolen from us, things get grim and dangerous, and I have seen it firsthand. During my time providing clinic services at a women's health center, I met a distraught mother whose daughter died after an illegal abortion in another state. Her story still haunts me. The amendment could go before voters as soon as November, but it has to clear the state legislature by a two-thirds vote by the end of this month. It's part of a package of legislation making its way through Sacramento aimed at protecting and expanding access to abortion in the state. The city of El Monte in L.A. County is mourning the loss of two police officers who were killed on Tuesday while investigating a possible stabbing at a motel. Authorities say the officers confronted a man at the motel yesterday afternoon when the shooting occurred. The two officers and the gunman were all killed in the incident. Acting El Monte Police Chief Ben Lowry says the officers will be remembered fondly in the community. These two Heroes paid the ultimate sacrifice. They were murdered by a coward. And we are grieving and it hurts. Lowry says one of the officers was a 22-year veteran. The other had been on the force for less than a year. Longtime Bay Area politician Norman Mineta's ashes are returning home to San Jose for the final time today. KQED's Rachel Myro has more. Norman Mineta was the first person of color to serve on the San Jose City Council and the first Asian American mayor of a major U.S. city. He spent two decades in Congress and served in two cabinets. In 2019, Mineta told KQED's forum he was particularly proud of co-sponsoring the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, granting representatives to Japanese Americans like himself incarcerated by the U.S. government in World War II. That's the beauty of this country because it can make a mistake, admit its mistake, and try to redress grievances. His remains will travel by motorcade from Norman Mineta International Airport to San Jose City Hall with a stop in Japantown. A memorial service featuring a who's who of politicians will take place at the Civic Auditorium tomorrow. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Methane is a powerful greenhouse gas around 25 times as potent as carbon dioxide, and livestock are one of the key emitters. KVPR's Carrie Klein takes us to Kerman, a small community west of Fresno, where local dairies are pioneering promising methane reduction technology. But not everyone is sold on the benefits. Bar 20 Dairy in Kerman puts a premium on being state-of-the-art. It even has electronic platforms for milking cows. But this dairy also produces electricity. A handful of industry reps are giving me a tour. 
Want to see a fuel cell? (laughs) This so-called fuel cell powers electric vehicle chargers owned by BMW. And Bar 20 owner Steve Shahadi tells me it's powered by manure, specifically the methane coming off of manure. And then from the fuel cell that goes into the electric grid, it interconnects with PG&E. So extra power goes straight into the the grid for everybody to use. Manure is responsible for about a quarter of the state's methane emissions. Cow burps are a major source, too. At Bar 20, the fuel cell is powered by an anaerobic digester, which traps the majority of methane from the dairy's manure. Here's how the digester works. Manure that would typically be stored in an open lagoon is instead funneled into a lined and covered basin. It's the size of 40 Olympic swimming pools. Go ahead. Yeah. Definitely want a wetsuit. Not recommended at all for swimming in. The methane, which puffs up the cover like a balloon, is siphoned off to the fuel cell, where it's converted to electricity. Digesters around California are estimated to have already prevented more than a million tons of emissions. But as they've advanced, the state and the shahadis have found themselves fending off criticism of the technology. That's despite the fact that the state touts it as one of California's most cost-effective climate change-fighting tools. If you can clean the air and produce renewable power for the state, I mean, especially as we're converting to more usages for electricity, it seems like a a great solution. Digesters are a fast-growing business. In 2015, the state had funded six of them. By 2020, that number had skyrocketed to 117. But that growth is what worries community advocates. Dairies with digesters receive financial credits for the emissions they capture. It works like cap and trade. But advocates are calling on state air officials to stop offering credits for digesters. Here's Phoebe Seaton, co-founder of the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability. Any program that actually incentivizes the creation of methane and also the perpetuation of the unequal kind of local and regional burdens of dairies is problematic. Air officials estimate that meeting the state's climate goals would require constructing another 200 digesters by 2030. But Michael Bocadoro, a lobbyist and executive director of the nonprofit Dairy Cares, warns that losing emissions credits would kill those projects and export our environmental challenges. Dairies won't be able to get the projects built. Cows end up on U-Hauls and they end up moving to another state where the problem is going to be exacerbated. So less regulation, less efficient production, higher methane, higher global warming. Credits can amount to millions of dollars each year for some dairies. But Bocadoro points out that engineering firms, developers, and other companies all get a slice of those profits too. According to Steve Shahadi, the Bar 20 digester and fuel cell cost $13 million. So the prospect of annual credits did grease the wheels, but he also considers that income as a matter of survival as he grapples with other existential threats like drought, water restrictions, and the rising costs of energy and fertilizer. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Kerman. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health-equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. 
And that's the California Report for Wednesday, June 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.